Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, Episode 28. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy Hostler, and I'm your host today. And today, you're not going to believe the guests that I have for you. I have Patricia Lisi Davis. Now, she is a woman of many talents. She's the owner of Embellish. It's a multi-space salon. It's in Tacoma, Washington. She's a tireless advocate for local businesses. She served as the president of the Downtown Merchants Association. She's also founded other local business organizations within Tacoma. She never stops advocating for local business, and we are thrilled to have her here today to share her story and her experience with us. Patricia, welcome to the podcast. I'm really, really excited to have you here today. Thank you. It's an honor to be part of this. Well, I just wanted to get us you to get us started a little bit to kind of knowing you better and telling us a little bit about your history, whether it's a little bit personal or a little bit professional, to kind of take us up to the point we are today. Okay. Um, well, I've been a business owner for, I'm going into my 11th year. I opened my salon after... Working for a hair care manufacturing corporation, a national corporation, international corporation, um, for about nine years. Um, I was an okay. educator who traveled, and I was part of watching the company be acquired three different times. Oh, wow. Um, and the company really lost the culture and the passion and the integrity that I fell in love with in the, in the beginning. And mm -hmm. um, eventually was downsized with 150 other people um, when Procter & Gamble took it over. So little bad taste in the mouth, uh, you know, watched that kind of happen. I took my severance, and instead of looking for another job, um, I decided to open my own salon. Oh, good. And I learned very quickly the importance of getting to know and partnering with and collaborating with collaborating with um, other local businesses, you know, in my proximity, and cross promoting mm -hmm. and cross pollinating, sharing ideas, sharing strategies, sharing challenges, and sharing customers. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly by other women business owners, but you know that spread into you know a larger geographical area. I eventually was recruited to the Downtown Merchants Group of Tacoma. Um, and then from there, I helped uh, some other people start an organization called Go Local, which is an independent business alliance throughout Tacoma and Pierce County that supports businesses who are independently owned. So that means 51% or more of the decision-making factors in hiring, firing, marketing, purchasing is all done by somebody locally. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. So so you really have both sides of the spectrum covered, being a local business owner and then also kind of functioning in the advocate role with these local organizations. Yes. Now, can you give us a little bit of kind of a background as far as when you opened your salon, what was it that made the biggest impact with you in your local community that helped you get your salon off the ground and, and up and running? Well, you know, I opened a salon in a place that didn't have a lot of foot traffic. I didn't have a lot mm -hmm. of capital. 
and I didn't have built-in clientele. I had maybe my 30 people that I'd been doing over the course of nine years on the side of my corporate job. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had stocked up some furniture, and I painted a little place really cute and said, okay, I'm going to open for business, you know, like every entrepreneur yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a shoestring, right? <laughs> um, and so really it was about talking to and meeting people around and in the community and talking about what I did and mm-hmm. and talking to other business owners and, and uh, like I said, sharing customers and opportunities to market. We have always been um, a platform for artists, local artists, so we've mm-hmm. always shown local artists on the wall. And so every third Thursday of the month, we have an opportunity to have sort of an open house you know, type thing where we bring people in. So that gave me a lot of exposure to the artist community. Then I started working with some advocacy groups and with the city, and I did a beautification grant um, and worked with a local artist to create identification and branding banners within our neighborhood. Oh, wow. Um, So that kind of put me in that realm of starting to talk to the city about things. Um, Mm -hmm. I became the president of the Downtown Merchants Group, which put me in a leadership role and a role of advocacy for other businesses of all types. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started really hearing and listening to, you know, the challenges of other businesses, you know, in the same uh, geographical area. And then started being able to, you know, go and talk to city officials and, and the mayor and the city manager and people like that about things that I thought, you know, were necessary to give us a good business climate. Right. So it sounds like one door just led to the next, and the the yeah. next door just opened, and it kind of evolved very naturally. Now, let me ask you this, because I, I know for me, um, and even for a lot of other people, and I think maybe even for women more so in particular than men, um, sometimes it's hard for us to reach out and ask for help, or it's hard for us to approach strangers that you know we don't know, and they'll you know say, "Hey, hey, I'm the new kid here. I'm opening a business, and and that sort of thing." What was it about you that made you bold enough to go out and start talking to other people about your business? You know, probably being a Leo, the need to be in the center of attention. <laughs> um, I guess that's probably a plus. Um, so there's not a lot of fear there. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm interested also in what other people are doing. You know right. what I mean? So I find out what they have that's really cool. And mm-hmm. and then I try to tell somebody else about what they're doing. And so by nature, I'm a connector. Mm-hmm. And so I really have always said that the whole time I've been in business, it's not about the hair that hits the floor in our salon. It's about the relationships that get created in the 45 minutes you're sitting in the chair. Yeah. So, most of the time, somebody sitting in my chair is either looking for a job or needs a house or wants yes. a project or has, you know, something that I may know something or someone that can help push it forward. Sure. Absolutely. And, and those kind of things are what just catalyzes that relationship. And I'm sure that that sort of relationship building and that sort of uh connecting is what has helped us stay in business and helped us through the bad economy. Right. Well, you know, it's the I continue to see it again and again and again where local businesses are able to leverage those relationships they have with their customers in a way that the national chains and the big box stores will never 
ever be able to do it. And if you're a local business owner and you haven't figured that out yet, it could be the key to your survival because I truly believe. If you're you're not integrated into your community as a small business owner, you're toast. Because you're you're trying to do 17 jobs that you may have knowledge of about three of them. And you, have time, and you have time for about five. Right. You know I mean? And so if you can even get out of your business, uh-huh. you know, to do something, or you can even find yourself in a position to have an employee, right. let alone find marketing dollars, or right. you know, those sort of things, it's just there's, it's, there's so many limitations on, on how you can actually, you know, uh, fluctuate with those Right. Things. I love that's that's one of the things I love and even even the connecting part of it that that's what kind of I feel like my mission is it's like I just want to connect people within the local business community and you know it's hard on a national level to do that but it's like as you get introduced to one person and the next person and the next person pretty soon you have a network that can absolutely come up with just about anything you need or anything that anyone else needs. And so I yeah, love and, and now that, that we have the now that we have the internet, it's actually at the click of a button. It absolutely. Have, there's there's this element of this kind of juxtaposition of local businesses and a local business understanding that they have to reach beyond their local proximity. Sure. They have, yeah. they have to be they have to be top of mind in their own local neighborhood. But they also mm-hmm. have to diversify in a way that gets them to a broader audience. Yeah. And so it's yes. sometimes it's about the services that they service or products that they provide, but it's also about the image that they portray and how they utilize their tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. In the whole localization movement, it's there's an element about it being about locality. Because you want to keep your tax dollars in a certain region. Sure, yeah. But even more than the geographical sense than that, and the thing that people miss a lot is the key part of independent owners. Because some people will argue or will be naive enough to think that Starbucks in our region is a local coffee company. Right. (laughs) But they miss the fact that Starbucks is corporately held and publicly traded. So it's no longer the dynamic local business because they're sending their money somewhere else and they have the responsibility to make profits for their stockholders. So it takes them out of the realm that we're talking about. And, you know, I find that just the average consumer is blissfully ignorant about what the difference is between a national chain, a national franchise, and a, a truly independent local business. Because, you know, oh, I'm yeah. always asking people, who, you know, do you know a local independent business owner? Because that's really the criteria that I like to use for my interviews. I want a local yeah. independent, you know, that's who my target is. And many of them, you know, the first thing they, oh, I know someone that owns, and it's it's an franchise of this, that, or the, and I'm like, well, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. And they have to start asking, well, what about this business? So would this business qualify? Would that, you know, and I I think, you know, that's part of, that's part of the movement's 
uh, main obstacle is trying to educate people about what the difference. Why does it matter whether it's a local franchise or national franchise in your local area versus a local independent, you know, business? And there, and and, there lies the biggest problem because I'll tell you where we have struggled with this for a very long time. Um, you have a national chain like Lowe's or Home Depot right. who are doing things like greenwashing and local washing, and yeah. even McDonald's, who will say, mm-hmm. oh, our potatoes are from blah, 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 you know, local, you know, they come right. from, you know, Idaho or whatever. And so people hear that, and it's a buzzword now. Sure. And they think that Lowe's is your local department, or your local hardware store. Yeah. Well, it is local because it's just down the block. Right. So you're, you're confusing the consumer with the buzzword that now you're using for your marketing ability. So mm-hmm. there's where the independent part is really important to educate on. And then when somebody says, um, so Subway, yeah. they argue that John Smith is the owner of the Subway and he's your neighbor, so he's a small business owner because he owns uh-huh. the Subway. Well, right. not really because 30% of his income goes to the franchise Out piece, the door. which are in yeah. Wisconsin or Okaso, right. wherever. Yeah, and, and the corporation tells him how to market and what his pricing needs to be, and they also tell him you will order your supplies from this national chain. Sure. So he yeah. doesn't have his decision-making power, and right. that's where, that's where we draw the line of the definition of an independent business owner is that they have fifty-one percent or more of the decision-making factor on the hiring, firing, marketing, and purchasing. And I love that because I will tell you, local business organizations vary from community to community. And Uh many times they end up shooting themselves in the foot whenever they include many of the local franchises and even local big box stores get included in these local organizations sometimes. And they're truly doing a disservice to the local movement by putting those big box stores and and franchises in there because it does confuse people. Well, it depends on what their agenda is. Because if they're a chain of commerce, their job is to support every kind of business. Any commerce. And all businesses, all types, all sectors, all all types. Because their job is to create tax-based dollars for the geographical area. They don't have mm-hmm. a determination between what is local and what is national. They want a borders to come in because they right. want those tax dollars. Absolutely. But here's where the difference lies. A an independent business alliance or a downtown merchants group or a neighborhood organization that is has a main street model should and does have a specific agenda of <laughs> supporting those local guys. So Right. They all fit into the ecosystem. It's sure. Just, it's just knowing who your market is and knowing who you can serve. So we yeah. chose to only we chose to only serve the locally owned independent businesses. Mm-hmm. Now let me ask you this: How do you in you in the practical application of that? I mean, clearly you can't be a local purist on you know for your business and, and in your life, or you will do without a lot of a lot of common yeah. conven you know modern conveniences. But how do you live that out in your business? I mean, how do you make sure your values with the business that you own is lining up as locally as possible? 
Well, that's a really interesting question because my line of business, I don't really have an option of a local person who creates shampoo and conditioner. Exactly, or, yeah. Or, or, or color products, you know what I mean? So right. My only options are international companies, but the mm-hmm. international companies that I choose, so Dominus is our main um, provider, and they are family-owned. They're from Parma, okay. Parma, Italy, but they're family-owned. They're not corporately held. They're not publicly traded. So okay. that's where my values lie and align with that company. Even though they're from Italy, mm-hmm. they they support their region, and it's a family-owned company. And they research, develop, package, market everything themselves. They don't outsource mm-hmm. to China. Uh-huh. They don't, you know, so, so so there's where the values for me lie in who I choose to partner with. Yeah, and and you know the the interesting thing about that is that whole thing just falls under the broader category of conscious consumption or conscious spending. You know, knowing that there are certain things you cannot get locally, and then so once that's eliminated, then looking at your options and making a value based decision on what's left. You yeah. know, and and that's exactly what you've done there. And you can't do it every day for everything, like you said, but in my daily walk, when I go to coffee, I go to B-Sharp Coffee House, or I go to Bluebeard Coffee, or I go to Satellite, I don't go to Starbucks or Tully. Right. And if I'm going to go to lunch, I go to Over the Moon, I don't go to Applebee's. Right. And if I go to see a movie, I'm going to choose to go to the Grand Cinema, which is a non-profit movie house. More times, nine out of times, nine times out of ten, rather than a major, you know, AMC theater. Sure, so exactly. It's just, it's just whenever I can, I know that I'm voting with my dollar, and yes. when I spend it with an independent, sixty-eight cents stays in the community and circulates two to three times more than forty-three cents at the chain. Sure. Yeah, and that that. I think when people really grasp the amount of dollars that they're talking about that is absolutely leaving their communities that could be staying in their communities. I mean, there's tons of calculators online. You know, granted uh-huh. everyone has to know everyone has to know what the parameters are, you know, to see the impact, but it really is staggering. You know, even whenever the people talk about shifting ten percent, you know, of yeah. the oh, abso- chain absolutely. store spending. I mean, those dollars are staggering. I mean, if you talk about economic recovery it could happen in any community this year if people got behind that movement. We have a um, we had a local branding firm help us with the multiplying factor uh, just recently uh-huh. for, for Tacoma, and in a in a community of two hundred thousand people, um, just shifting ten percent of their income based upon fifty thousand dollar a year income, it's millions of dollars wow. in our tax like literally staggering. And and yes. the number the numbers of jobs that it creates as well. It's just it's it's unbelievable. It's it's like people don't realize you have the answer to your own city's problems in and of you know, within your reach and your grasp right there. And every time you spend it the wrong way or you know, in, in a way that's not as conscious for your city's best interest or your community's best interest, you are actually creating your own problem. It's it really is unbelievable when you look at those numbers. Now, Patricia, I was gonna ask you over the course of, you know, transitioning from your corporate job to your 
opening your salon, did you have any sort of business coach or mentor or anything like that? Because that's kind of a rough transition to go from corporate to being out there on your own. None. Absolutely none. You went through the school of hard knocks. I was that typical (laughs) entrepreneur who had a dream and thought I could do it better than who I was working for and wanted Mm -hmm. to be on my own and knew nothing about bookkeeping, knew nothing about marketing, knew nothing about business plans, any of that. Everything was trial and error, gut checks, crying, pitfalls, praying, (laughs) um, all of that. (laughs) I got you. Well, you know what, though? That is, it's good to know that you can get where you are coming from where you know where you've been there are so many people that want to do that exact same thing they're not happy with their corporate jobs they feel like the soul is getting sucked out of them every day when they go into that office and they want to do something more meaningful on their own but they don't have number one the money to start it number two the money to pay all these expensive business coaches and mentors and masterminds and all these things to do that so it is good to know that someone with a little bit of hustle and a little bit of ingenuity can just say, you know what, this is the direction I'm going in, and I'm going to figure it out. And yeah, I love you have, that to, you you have that. to be blindly stubborn. Yeah. You know, just to say, you know if, you, if you don't have a business degree, you just have to be naively, you know, uh, hard-headed. Yeah, yeah. You and know, use and, it to your and, advantage. And open to listening, because the thing is, is when you have organizations like the Downtown Merchants Group and Go Local, you have other businesses that whether they are your type of business or not, you can always learn from each one of our failures, and yes. it, it's really about listening and mm. and being able to step outside of your bubble um, yes. because we get so attached to our business and our expectation and what we think should be done that and we it, we take it so personally. Yes, we do. Can't really see what we're doing to hurt our business. Yeah, that emotional attachment. Oh, it's yeah. it's tragic. So it's good that you mentioned failures. Not that um, we want to focus on the negative all the time or anything, but but I bet, have you had any that you could share that other people could learn from that would just maybe save them the heartache of going through what you had to go through on a particular instance? Um, you know, don't screw around with changing credit card companies. Ah, wow. That, that's Five, very good advice. But that's changed in 11 years, hasn't it, since you Oh, my goodness. Started. And, don't, you know, don't be fooled by people that can save you money and this and that. And, you know, stay with your stay with your bank. Stay with your, you know, your proven stuff. Uh, you know, ask the right questions. Look at the numbers. Just don't take it for granted that, you know, somebody's going to save you money. Well, and I guess you get a. It ends up in the long run costing you way more. Yeah, it's funny. You're the second business owner this week that has told me that. And it's the same thing where they they bought the sales pitch. You know, oh, it's going to save you so much money. Lower this, lower that. Here, sign your contract. And whoo, got taken for a ride. So I. Good to know, and that that environment for credit card processing has drastically changed over the last, I would even say, four or five years, and it's become a much more um, merchant-friendly environment. Yeah, there's so many options now, and you can do things that are just simple, like Square and 
and everything yes. else that you know makes so much sense. Mobile um, accessibility for the payments too, so that's that's a good thing. The other thing that I wouldn't that that took me a long time to understand uh, and separate myself from is employees and their personal issues or wanting to to help uh, people learn their own lessons. Mm. Like, I'm running a business and I need to be clear about what the culture and the expectation of my business is, and Mm -hmm. and I have to own the right and the responsibility to um, honor that. And I and I, I need to hire and fire accordingly um, so that, you know, what's happening is my business is being supported. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. And I think so many, that is a hard thing for so many business owners, especially when the, the firing, I mean, it seems like we we hire easy you know, or are we quickly? And that firing part is much, much harder because it's and, more personal. And, you, and when you when you identify the cancer in your organization, you need to get you need to cut it out. Yeah, I completely, completely agree with that. Could not have said it better myself. So I love that, Patricia. What is your proudest business accomplishment that you've had? Um. Probably through being a business owner and through doing some of the development stuff that I've done, I've crafted a program called Culture Crafting. Uh-huh. Um, and Ex- the basis explain of, that a little bit. The basis of that is getting down to the nitty-gritty and involving the whole team in a process of building blocks and developing core values that everybody can get in consensus on and that everybody is willing and vulnerable and committed to breaking down into behaviors mm-hmm. and, and look like so that it can support the framework for policies, procedures, uh, give life to the brand, um, explain to a customer exactly who, what is the, the heart of the company. And mm-hmm. when, you, when you craft a culture like that, the people that are bought in and that are in alignment with you and the the vision and mission of your company will protect that culture like nobody's business. Ah. And it changes changes the environment and the behavior and the ownership so that as a boss, I don't have to have the same kind of conversations with people. Mm -hmm. And the decisions don't end up being personal about what, that we don't have a matchup in, 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 you know, personality or behavior, it's mm-hmm. whatever you're doing isn't holding up the culture. And it's a I very see. easy conversation to have. And so that firing, or what we call it now, promoting them onto new opportunities, um, <laughs> is, is a lot that. easier. It's a lot easier. <laughs> That that's funny. It's I, I love the way you put the spin on that because it's true and and you know ultimately that's that's best for both parties. You know, yeah, because it's, sometimes it's just not a fit and it doesn't have to be yeah. anybody's fault. It's just right. here's what our culture is and here's what our agenda is for this business or the organization. And if it doesn't fit right now, it doesn't fit. But mm-hmm. it's an easy line to draw. Yeah. 
It definitely, definitely. And the thing is, the more the more you're able to stick with that line, the more you just reinforce your culture. You know, if you yeah. if you don't take that action, you're destroying your culture from within. Yep. And you know what? The hardest thing I learned as a business owner is the fish stinks from the head up. <laughs> I have not heard that one before, but I like that. I, I cannot <laughs> blame anybody else, and I cannot blame a bad employee, and I cannot do it. It's, it's, I'm responsible for the culture in my business. And, wow. And, and that, that's a harsh reality, and that's a big responsibility, but that is reality. Yeah, well, and that's, and that's great advice for any any business owner because if you know if the culture in your business isn't the what you want it to be um it's you probably need to look in the mirror to fix it yep you know interesting so patricia for your business and not just for your business but for other local businesses that you're also working with what types of marketing strategies are you seeing them use successfully right now what's working for you you know, there's all these things out there that people think are going to be the silver bullet, and uh-huh. there just really isn't one. Mm-hmm. You have to take, um, if your culture and your brand and your integrity and your services or your product are all in alignment, uh-huh. um, you you need to have a variety of outreach. Because okay. there are so many different people right now. There are still people who will never have a cell phone. There are still uh-huh. people who will never have email. There are, right. who, there are people who will never pick up a pen or dial a phone. Sure. I mean? And so you have right. to be able to touch all of those people in different ways. Mm-hmm. So you can't just rely on one, on one way of connectivity. I really still feel like no matter what, at least for our business, Word of mouth is is never going to be outdone. Ah, okay. And I feel that honoring your customers that you have and asking them to tell people about you is the best way to build your business. Wow. Most How do you go about go asking? After, well, most people go after new business and they say, right, yeah, new customer or this or whatever. But how about you know, Candy Jones, who's been paying my rent for 10 years as a customer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it, sometimes it's about spending extra time. Sometimes it's about giving a complimentary service. Sometimes it's about giving her that third product for free. Sometimes it's about buying her lunch. I mean, I don't know what it is, but it's really being in tune with my customer so that I can say, you know, thank you for being here. And Asking for the referral is our conversations on a daily basis with our clients need to be about the function that we're doing, and that is solving any problems that they have with their daily regimens of keeping their hair healthy and beautiful and uh-huh. fashionable. So when 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 conversations go off track about, I don't know, personal stuff or politics or religion or whatever, we try right. to get it back to the case at hand and you know, we say, well, you know, how's work? You know, tell me about your family members or whatever. It's, it's about, you know, hey, tell so-and-so. I'd really like to do their hair. Yeah. You know, or, or, or we have a rewards program also that we reward them for referrals. So somebody mm-hmm. can earn a free haircut by sending five people to us. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Or if we do a new style on them, we ask them to share it on Facebook so that their friends all like it, and then they come and do them. 
You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. You, you got to make it fun. You got to make it easy, but you got to ask them for the support. And and I was going to say, and it sounds like you are consciously making those conversations happen just throughout the course of your work yeah. and work day. Um, I think, you know, I think that's one of those things that as small business owners, it, it might not, that might not be on everyone's radar, you know, to, to do that. I mean, you think, oh, I'm going to be whatever my customer needs me to be today, not realizing that you do have the ability to redirect and ultimately uh, weave things into the conversation that will naturally lend itself to getting the word of mouth referral. I mean, that's yep. the holy grail, you know. Yep. Um, and every business owner I've talked to has said, word of mouth is my best form of getting either new customers or people that I would have never been able to touch marketing-wise because of yeah. somebody else. And so it's so if it's so important, there should be some conscious steps that people are taking to capture a little bit of that because you can't just leave it up to chance, you know. The thing is, is people are going to, it's like that tell two friends and they'll tell two friends and they'll tell two friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people are going to talk about an experience that they enjoy. And they're going to talk about it to everybody that they see for the next few days. Mm-hmm. So you have the choice of pissing them off and, and getting a really bad report because they're going to tell 10 sure. more than they would if it made you happy. Mm-hmm. Or doing something that's out of the, you know, that's going to stick in their mind that they're going to talk about you. So somebody else says, hey, you know what? I heard about that one place. But so-and-so. Yeah. Was. So. That's that's a great thing. And you have a, a cool opportunity because just in your line of business, boy, you know, you do something to make somebody feel better about themselves or look better. Um, you know, you throw in a free product or even a free sample of something. And boy, you've just made somebody's day. You know, they feel like they got something, and now they're gonna—they can't wait to go home and use it. And it really is m- much more uh, personal with the type of work you do. That's funny that you mentioned making someone's day because we refer to ourselves not as stylists but as daymakers. I saw that on your website, <laughs> and I wasn't exactly sure how that fit in. So I'm I'm completely glad that you explained that because I thought, well, everyone on here seems to be a day maker. So yep, and that's what, that's what we do. Love with, with, that. Whether again, it's with the conversation, whether it's with the technical skills, or whether it's with the connection we make for something else, that's what we're there for is to make your day. But again, that just reinforce. that's just part of the culture reinforcement is yeah. with, with the culture you have in your salon. I love that. And you know what? It doesn't matter what you call it, but if every business has their unique whatever it is, um, it, it just adds a whole different dimension to that. So I definitely love that. Now, you mentioned that sometimes people only measure new businesses and, and are new customers, you know, going out and getting new customers. What performance metrics do you measure in your business and, and kind of why do you feel like those are important? Um, we have a few different ones for stylists and their measurements to be able to kind of like move up a level or increase in in, in prices and stuff like that. Uh-huh. We have benchmarks that are like, you know, average ticket, retail to service, mm-hmm. um, you know, retention numbers. So out of how many people you saw in a period of time, how many people came back to you, um, you know, and referrals, those sort of things. Sure. So for them, that's how we, we do that. Um, we have really slacked in the last few years just trying to survive um, in, in tracking, you know, like customer base. 
Um, and and we're working right now and changing our business model a little bit. I'm I'm in the process of bringing two uh, leadership uh, partners in to the business. One is a stylist and one is a makeup artist, and mm-hmm. they are they're coming in to be we're calling it the trifecta. Um, oh, I'm okay. Step, I'm, I'm stepping back from the boss role, and uh-huh. they are they are coming in in areas that they have strengths and um and inspiration, and we are bringing our business back to the center, which means like streamlining everything, working on our systems, creating the the clean, crisp image so that we can back get back to uh, our craft, uh-huh. um, as a, as opposed to you know smoke and mirrors or you know polishing things up that. It's back right. to the craft of doing hair. And we are, by 2015, um, going to become uh, three-way partners and, and opening a new company and changing the name from Embellish Multispace to just simply Multispace. Um, okay. And we'll be doing um, um, some outside stuff like weddings, um, creative work, photo shoots, ah. things like that, um, events, um, different things like that. But we... Um, We'll be getting much more intentional on on how we track our our numbers and our clients and our and our success, and we hope to be involving the customers in a lot more of that too, because we want to know from them, you know, why they choose us, and, right? Yeah, you know, and, and why they're there. So there's a lot of a lot of changes on the horizon this next year. Yeah, I and I love that you have it kind of all laid out as far as where you're going and you know exactly what your next step is and what you're working towards. So I definitely, and I can tell you're a planner. I know that much. So, um, <laughs> so as you look over the course of your career, Patricia, is there anything you would go back and change if you could? Um, I would have figured out a lot sooner that I needed the trifecta. Okay. It's very hard and very draining um, to try to be a business owner and try to be a sole business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to work on crafting the team. And there's a there's a concept and a philosophy of, of building a strength-based organization, um, and that comes from Now Discover Your Strength by Marcus Buckingham. Yes, and the yes, concept love is, that. The concept is, is that we all have... Uh, Strengths and talents that are ingrained in our DNA from the time and our synapses are formed by the time we are two and a half years old, and that those strengths and talents follow us into our, you know, lives. But society, norms, schools, morals, all of those things try to put us into boxes that may or may not let those strengths and talents be realized. Sure. And we all are forced to do the thing where we try to. uh, make up for our weaknesses rather than foster our strengths and our talents. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. if I would have learned much sooner to have the philosophy of building a strength-based organization, I, you know, could have probably. And, and it's okay because it's all timing, and I don't regret anything because um, mm-hmm. it's all learning. But building a strength-based organization and finding the right people to get on the bus. Um, is very important, and that will lead to success much quicker because there's there's no one person that can do it all. Right. Well, and, you know, I, I like the fact that whenever you talk about your business, um, you're not just talking about growing your business. You're talking about 
building your organization and building your culture. And to be honest, that's a little bit more of a mature way to look at your business than a lot of business owners are able to do. And I, and I don't mean that to slam them, but I mean, some business owners are so involved in the day to day, they they can't get far enough, work themselves far enough out of their business to yeah. even worry about building that organization. And um, I've, did, I've for the last five years been very intentional on in trying to figure out how to work on my business and not in uh-huh. my business. Okay. And it's very, it's very hard to do because as, as a business owner and entrepreneur, you get stuck in being in your business. Sure, yeah. You're shackled by the daily things. More people than I can even count have started a restaurant or a salon or a coffee shop or something where they had all of these grand visions and they only hit about a quarter of the punch list. You walk into part of their environment and there's, there's aesthetically things that are not finished. You know what I mean? Right. They never got mm-hmm. around to that part of the business plan. The business plan for most people is only about getting money. There's never right. a, there's never a growth piece or an exit strategy or, you know, succession plan or any of that. Yes, yes. And yes. and that's what I'm after ten years realizing is really important and we're working on that now. What did you do? Like, what are some practical things you did? Because we can say work on your business, not in your business. But, like, what are some of those things that would actually be, I made a choice to do this versus that? Can you give us some examples of those things? I'm still actually shackled by one of them, and I should make a decision pretty soon. (laughs) Okay. the, The difference between a bookkeeper and a financial advisor is huge. Okay. Bookkeepers are bean counters, and they do everything from after the fact. Mm-hmm. And I'm still looking for that person who has the ability to help me look and strategize and do the financial forecast. Gotcha. You know what okay. I mean? So, yes. Um, that and I would I would reach out and ask for more advice. I would say mm-hmm. to business owners, find somebody who's doing a business, whether it has anything like your business at all, but that's doing well and say, can I ask you some questions? Can you mention yeah. me? Can I find yeah. it, you know, because that would make life a lot easier. Sure, ask yeah, and you yeah, and I think, you know, I have found, and even just, you know, in, in you know, starting this podcast and that sort of thing, you know, I, I feel like I had such a small network whenever I began, and so all I was doing is just reaching out to people and, and reaching out to strangers. I mean, these people have no idea who I am or even why they should talk to me, and it seems like the more I reach out, and whenever, especially whenever I reach out, and the reason I'm reaching out is because I want to share your story. So many people have been receptive in a way I could not even have imagined. And I know it's the same thing with business owners. When they go to somebody else and say, you have a business that I would love to model mine after. Can you tell me some things? And, and can you share some of yours? People are flattered by that, and they will more than likely spend the time helping you. Yeah. It's good to have those mentors it's good to have those people that you can look up to and i think i think you probably have i would imagine in your community you have more than your share of people coming and asking for help <laughs> with different things constantly so I, <laughs> <laughs> so I know but you know what you you have that philosophy the more you give out the more you get back yep. you know yep. rise so all just, raise all ships exactly so if it's your just, business it's is doing thing. if your business is doing better so will mine and even Absolutely. even businesses in my same industry 
Like, there are some, I mean, I, you know, I'm good friends and, and collaborators with other salon owners because, you know, there's enough customers for everybody. Sure. And I love that you're not seeing them as competitors, but you're seeing them as collaborators. And that really is what I'm finding is the culture in a lot of the local business communities. You know, there's there's not that greedy, hold your cards close to your chest, don't let anyone else know what you're doing because they might copy me kind of thing, you know. Yeah, and that's and, probably the worst thing that you can do for your business because the scarcity model and, and, and being in fear of competition will kill you. Absolutely. I completely agree. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Now, Patricia, you are in a position where you actually have um, – a, a good sized local business community, and you you see a lot of things um, in your community that are local. But we like to also ask business owners whenever we do this podcast if there are holes in the market that they have found in their area. In other words, are there products or services that you would love to be able to source locally, but your local business community just does not have them? What would you say those things would be? we have a real lack for like clothing, sporting goods, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that sort of stuff that is, that is okay. um, it, it, people tend to still, unless you're shopping vintage, you know, right. have to go to the, you know, to the major stores. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing that's really hard is, um, is, is restaurants and food. Okay. Um, it's, it's very, it's so much easier and so much more cost effective for some restaurants to just order from Cisco or food service. Oh yes, yes. Um, and you get that generic, um, mm-hmm. you know, thousand miles traveled, you know, process. Sure. Um, we have a fairly, I'd say, somewhat robust um, farm savvy, you know, kind of community here, um, uh-huh. but still, even some of the better, you know, I, it's just, I think probably food is, is, a, is, is somewhat of a hole, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, fi- being able to find gr- everything that you want locally. So now, what is your favorite tool in the day-to-day running of your business? Do you have one? Um... My favorite tool. Um, uh-huh. I can tell you my least favorite tool is our point of sale. Uh, oh, really? Is, uh, is that on the cards to change anytime soon? It, it, it is definitely on the cards to change. Um, finding a good point of sale or system that works for managing your business is so important because we have one that is, we just call it the beautiful monster. I mean, it just has so many, it's not user-friendly. Uh-huh. Uh, there's so many backway doors into stuff, and you just have to, it, it's just, it's really a nightmare. Um, my favorite tool, gosh, I don't know even how to, to get it. I think, I think Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Is, is or, one of my favorite tools because I think it's just such a great way to integrate what you're doing, what your images, what your inspirations are, you know, getting feedback from your customers. Sure. Instantaneously. 
you know, drumming up business and or engaging your clients. Um, so that's probably my favorite tool right now. Nice. Are you using any other social media besides Facebook? Are you using Pinterest or Twitter or anything we're like getting, that? We're getting we're getting a lot more um, savvy with Pinterest, and Pinterest is okay. Gotcha. Well, we, you're such a visual um, business whenever, you know, the end result and that sort of thing. And I can imagine that that would be something figuring worth figuring out for your business. So I love that you're doing that. Now, um, you have been generous in sharing way more than I could have ever imagined as far as local business and what you do in your business and that sort of thing. So I also wanted to give you the opportunity to promote anything within your business to our listeners that you would like to? Um, well, you know, I guess just if you want your day made and you want to feel like a million bucks uh, and you're tired of, you know, generic kind of complacent service, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> come yeah. see us because we have such, a, we have such an eclectic mix of people that you'll find mm-hmm. a stylist that, you know, that fits you and or you'll walk out with something that is entirely you rather than, you know, the person you sit next to at work. Yeah. Now, do you find that your customer service and the way you treat people, do you use that or, or do you find that's part of your competitive edge with the competition that you have in your area? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We have a – we we made our own – um, interpretation of a concept that Davinus gives us called multi-space. And that mm-hmm. is that we took what they've given us as a loose template of four centers. Uh-huh. And, and we have designed those uh, aesthetically, logistically, and energetically in a way that does stuff differently. So we have color space, styling space, well-being space, and shopping space. Okay. And one, two places that are really different from everywhere else is color space and styling space. Because most of the times you walk into a salon and you have seven chairs all lined up next to each other along the wall looking at the same wall with mirror, 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 mirror. Yes. You've yes. got about two feet of space in between you and the stylist next to you and whatever, God knows what conversation is going on. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and it's like there is, there's just, there's no privacy and there's no respect. And uh-huh. we have... In color space, we have three chairs, and it's built up with a raised bar with hooks to put your purse. All of our color is out in the open. We mix and measure and formulate right in front of you. Um, you sit there the entire time. You're not moved off into a corner to cook while we generate money in the same chair. Gotcha. We, we go to a separate space, which is styling space, if we're double booking, and we do a different service there. Mm-hmm. And, and the styling space stations aren't... Um, uh, designated for a stylist. Okay. They are um, they are uh, open, and you 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 pick your products and your tools accordingly to the client's desired end result. So it's uh-huh. all in, it's all intentional, and it's very customized. So wow. you know, everybody that comes there knows that they're getting something that's just for them. It's not just you know your mindless you know, repetition of, you know, this haircut after that haircut. Right. And is that a unique concept that I've never heard of that concept before? It really is. And people notice the difference. We also, in color space, we do what's called dual consulting. So 
even if we have a stylist who is uh, independent as a leaser and one is a is an employee, we still have a conversation about color and the inspiration and the ideas of what to do because it's a level of teamwork and it's a level of accountability as well. And it also lets another stylist hear what the person in the chair said just in case the one the person who's doing it isn't communicating well. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So you've kind of built in opportunities to work on those soft skills as well. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. I that I love that because you know it, those soft skills are hard to teach. They really are because so many of them are ingrained in people's personalities. You know, it's hard yep. to make people stretch outside their personality sometimes. And I think even as, you know, small business owners, you're dealing with small offices and small, you know, spaces where you have, you know, four or five people that you work with all the time. You know, it can be a little bit difficult to give that feedback sometimes yep. or even to demand that, you know, your interaction with a customer wasn't exactly up to par. How do you give that feedback? What do you do to keep keep everyone bought into it? Well, you know, we because we dual consult and because we have very little, you know, uh, disappointment, you know, coming back there. If there is a problem with a customer, it usually is because of miscommunication. And like uh-huh. just the other day, I almost had to do a redo on a perm for one of my stylists. But when I got, you know, when I got down to the nitty gritty and understood what the consultation was, I knew where I knew where the I knew where the break was. Uh-huh. Communication. So we were able to go back and say, where was where was the gap? You know, where did we miss? I see. And and we talk about it sometimes as color or whatever, as how many clicks away were we from you know. Okay. From so we we developed a formula of asking questions to where what we really want to know first is I want that dual consulting person, especially if they're new and they're learning how to consult, I want them to find out the client's desired end result first. Right. It's like, putting, it's like putting in my um, destination in my GPS. Uh-huh. I got to know where I'm going first. Sure. I plug in where I'm at, which means what's the hair bringing to the party? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I, then, I can, then I can figure out which route I'm going to go. And there's a hundred wow. ways to skin a cat. So, yes, yeah. You know, that's where the dual cons- consultation comes in because somebody else might have a different idea on how to get there. Sure. Wow. Well, I can tell you have just put a lot of thought into all the processes and procedures of your business and how your actual physical space is laid out. And, you know, I can imagine that it is a salon experience like other people will not find in a lot of salons out there. So I I commend you for taking the time to do um, do the hard part sometimes of putting these procedures and processes in place or doing the, um, you know, the, the it's a lot of legwork on the front end just to get something like that on autopilot. And so yeah. you've you've done that. And, you know, I hope you have a lot of years of being able to sit back and enjoy the, the rewards from the trifecta and all these other things that you're doing because I think that's fantastic. Um, Thank you. Patricia. Patricia, we wanted to also, on every time we do one of these podcasts, we link up in our show notes on our website so that um, people can find you, you directly from our, uh, you know, podcast webpage and that sort of thing. So where all can people find you on the web so we can link up to those places? Um, currently, our web address is www.embellishtacoma.com. And then okay. also... And then also our um, our Facebook is Embellished Multi Space Salon. Okay. 
And yeah. Pinterest, are you embellish as well? Uh, yes. Okay. Okay, perfect. I will link up to all those spaces. Any parting thoughts you want to share with us? I'll definitely give you the floor for any other nuggets of wisdom you want to lay on us. Well, you know, if business owners are listening, and especially if they're in the Tacoma area, um, they can go to www.golocaltacoma.com, and they okay. can hook up with us as, as the catalyst for the business resources. If they're in other states, I encourage them to look up Bally and or Amoeba and find okay. um, an IBA affiliate within their region um, and really just start reaching out and connecting with other business owners um, because, you're, you know, you're not in it alone. Absolutely. I will link up to all those resources because you're right. Those are great, great resources that um, business owners might not be aware of or might not be aware of that they have more than one option within their community. So um, the key is to getting getting connected and plugged into some organization or network or alliance or something like that and then let the doors open from there so patricia you have been an absolute pleasure to talk to i love your energy i love all the planning and the things that you're doing with your business and i love listening to your take on local business you've just provided us so much information and i couldn't thank you enough for spending the time with us today well i appreciate it it's my pleasure and if i would love for you to um Make sure you send me a link to your podcast and a link to other future stuff that you do because we sure. would love to be able to send people your way and listen to all the fabulous things that you got coming down the pipe. Localist, I need your help. If you've appreciated this podcast today, I need you to go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, tell us what you think about the podcast. It is so important for us to expand our reach to be able to have those iTunes ratings and reviews. That way, other people can find us much easier whenever they're looking for things about local brick-and-mortar businesses. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating. You cannot imagine how important it is to us. You can find show notes to everything we discussed in this podcast on our website. So go there. It's www.brickandmortarreporter.com. You can see all the links to anything we discussed. And also you can leave us any comments or any questions that you have. It's the best way to get in touch with us. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.